You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. I've got Mike Michalowicz on again, and I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about his newest book, um, Fix This Next. So, hey, Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, and thanks for letting me be a repeat guest on your show. It really is a privilege for me to be back, so thank you. I'm honored that you take the time out to do this, and I know that our listeners literally love um, listening to what you have to say. So I'm really excited because obviously the book is yet to be out. And when this episode does come out, it'll be right before the book comes out. So it'll be really um, great for people to get just a little bit of information about what they can expect from this newest book. So why don't you start with um, giving us a little bit of information on what made you start writing this book and yeah. what is kind of the, the theme of Fix This this Next? Yeah, it's a little bit of a tongue, tongue yeah. twister, Fix This Next. <laughs> I think both times I just said it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fix This Next, and we can call it FTN for short. And um, when I wrote Fix This Next, how it came about was I was asking my existing readership, what's the challenge you have now? And uh, that's actually how I write all my books. I'm like, what's the challenge you're facing? When I wrote the pumpkin plan, a book I wrote a long time ago. Uh, it was about sales. People said, well, I'm struggling. Now I'm having more sales. I'm struggling with profitability. And that's how profit first came about. And clockwork came about after that. Well, what was an interesting thing is I'm now starting to see reader confusion, if you will, meaning they don't know what needs to be fixed. And that became the thesis for this challenge. I, what I'm saying now is the biggest challenge that business owners face is they don't know what their biggest challenge is. They can't pinpoint it. And so I started to research and said, well, how do you find your biggest challenge? And I couldn't find many resources for this, but particularly not a book. And I said, that's it. I need to write a book on this. Now, let this be noted. This process started for when this broadcast is about almost five years ago, but when we're recording this, you know, four and a half years ago, I start playing with this concept and investigating it. And what I subsequently developed is a compass, if you will, to navigate you to where you need to work on your business. What's the most impactful thing that'll move your business forward as opposing to all the hundreds, if not thousands of urgent things that are you know, apparent and presenting themselves? How do you get through that chaff to get to the, the wheat? The, the, the one thing that's going to move your business forward. And um, you may find it interesting based upon Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I was just going to say, everyone's going to love the fact that you, at least who's listening here, because we're all therapists. So the fact that your um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs has a sort of similarity to it is kind of 
funny for, for our listeners. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It, well, I steeped myself in this. So, you know, every book I write, um, and I think this is true for, for any kind of research people do, is we look for, uh, first come up with a thesis or the challenge. And in, in this case, it's figuring out what your challenge is. Then figuring out, is there a solution that already exists in some other variation? Maybe there isn't an established business solution. Maybe there's a solution in nature. And uh, through some iterations of research, I came across Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I had always known of it on the periphery, but never really studied it. And I immersed myself in it. It's fascinating. And my core understanding is that Maslow argued that there's, in this case, five stages of needs, but we always revert to the most base need. And if the base need is satisfied, only then can we address higher level needs. And uh, the base level need is physiological needs, you know, food, water, shelter. Um, the highest level need is self-actualization, you know, living to your life's purpose. And uh, you can be self-actualizing with the best of them, but if you're eating a hamburger and all of a sudden start choking to death, now we're reverting to a base level need. You know, living into purpose, um, all those things above it don't mean anything until we dislodge what's blocking our airway. So the Maslow hierarchy of need, my understanding is really not about climbing as much as going to the applicable level, resolving it so that you can elevate up again. And that's what business is like. Business is not a ladder. It's not like you constantly just climb up. Right. And we bounce around. Mm -hmm. but we And we naturally do this. We bounce around um, often all over the place, but we're not bouncing to the most imminent need that will drive further escalation or, or elevating our business up. So what I did is I made an entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs, the EHN. And in my model, there's five levels, just like Maslow, but specific to it, a business needs. And at any given time, if the business is gasping for air, it will immediately call us to revert to clear that lodging, you know, that problem, that blockage, then allow us to live up to the highest levels uh, that we intend for our business. So that's how it correlates. Okay. Are you going to uh, give us hints on what those stages oh, totally. are? Are you? Totally. Okay, awesome. I mean, so I'll I give you the that. five levels right now. <laughs> Um, and I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that we can't rely on as we navigate these five levels. So, okay. so here's the five levels. The base level for every business is sales. And what sales is, is the creation of cash flow. It's the inbound source of money. It's the equivalent of blood or oxygen, if we want to use that analogy. It, it's the only way our business can breathe is if we, if we have inbound cash flow. So oxygen, sales in this case, is the most critical base level need. Okay. The next level above that is profitability. Now, profitability creates sustainability, stability. You know, if we have profit, there's money left at the end of the day, it removes that stress from, oh my gosh, we need to sell more and panic. Um, so we can call profit the equivalent of, of shelter, for example. Sure. Now, here's the interesting thing is the instinct of many entrepreneurs is to constantly drive sales. We, right. we revert back to the base. So even though the business may be you know, it, it may be pouring rain and we have no shelter over us and we're freezing. We try to breathe in more air, the oxygen of sales, to get rid of the rain. It makes no sense. But instinctually, and I'll tell you why our instinct is very dangerous. Instinct in business makes us revert to, I got to sell more. That will save me. I need to sell more. And many therapy practices, now that I've, I've trying to learn about your market, I see many therapy practices growing consistently on a sales basis, but the revenue or expenses, I should say, are growing just as fast, if not faster. Right. So the business is becoming more stressful. So our base level need is we have to have sales, but you don't continually grow that foundation of sales without then addressing the next level, which is profitability. Mm -hmm. I also equate it to building a building. You know, if, if you're 
when you build a house, you got to get the basement in place first or the foundation, and then you put the first level on and the second level. The thing is, you don't create a foundation that's so big in New Jersey with basements. You don't build this massive basement and put a little tool shed on top of it. It will fall within it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that we don't maximize our sales and then focus on very little profit and it drops in. We need to build this so it's structurally sound throughout. So you start with a strong foundation and you build that first level of profit. The next level, so go sales, profit. The next level up is called order. This is what we talked about at your last event that I was at. Order is about efficiency. Uh, Clockwork is the book I wrote that addresses components of this. But basically, you have the inbound cash flow of sales. You have the stability of profitability. Now you have the creation of efficiency throughout your organization. How do you make the business ultimately run without dependency on the owner? And that's what we talked about at your event. The next level up over order is called impact. And impact, uh, it's inherent to your your industry, um, but many businesses jump right to the impact level without considering the three levels we discussed below it. Impact is where we transition from a transaction to a transformation. How do we take the client from point A to point B so their life is changed? Now, in the therapy business, uh, that's what you do. And, uh, you know, if you manufacture toilet paper, it doesn't seem like a transformational thing until you realize it can be. It can be providing a, a commodity product but maybe the toilet paper company says, we, you know, we're all about environmental impact. We want to be uh, supporters of nature. And so now it becomes a transformational thing. The, the consumers of that are more than just getting a commodity item. They are getting something that speaks to their identity and helps them move into a new definition of themselves. That's what impact is about. And every business can and needs to have impact to play at that higher level. Therapy just happens that that's actually where your starting point is for your mission is transforming people to a better place. But if you skip the foundation below it, now you're putting on this major floor and there's no basement. The thing just collapses on itself. So we need to get sales, profit, order, then impact. And the highest level is called legacy. Legacy, as I define it for the entrepreneur's hierarchy of needs, is where the business has the ability to survive and thrive in the absence of the owner. That the business is on a mission that's going to live on into perpetuity. It's a permanence that the business has. And so that's the five levels. The, the point I make in this book is at any given time, we'll be, we need to concentrate our efforts in one level to address a vital need there. Then before we move on, we don't just keep on climbing up. We look and say, is the foundation shored up or has a problem present itself where we have to revert back to a base and we keep on navigating through and around the entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs. I think that's one of the things that um, new and sort of newly established the first few years of a business um, owners get caught up in. I get this a lot just in my circle of, of group practice owners that I work with is um, they ask, you know, how to get to where I'm at. And yeah. I think they view it as like, I'm at the top at the legacy yeah. stage and that's, I'm done now. And I've, you know, I'll never fall into any of the other, you know, levels anymore. And I like that you, you know, talk about it in this, it's like fluid and we're moving up and we're moving down. And I just recently last week, shared that um, one of my headquarter locations, the one that I usually work out of, um, I just got a 90-day notice, new ownership bought it. Everyone, ha- we have to, everyone has to be out of the building. And yeah. so I literally have um, till December 27th, which is my birthday. And I'm really not happy about this. <laughs> so you have to move out a whole location of people. And so yeah. in that sense, I was like, you know, I had shared even well-established businesses um, because people, I think, have it all wrong in thinking that, you know, I never have issues anymore. Um, I never fall 
down, um, you know, those notches ever. Um, and that's not the case right now. My focus right now can't be on legacy. It can't be on um, any of the higher level things. It has to be on making sure that I can find a space that my employees can work out of for that location. Um, and, and so I think that's a lot of what you're talking about is certain things will happen where you just have to focus on a different area. Yes. And so, so right the, now it's our, our business, the climate around us, all these different influencers will cause us to revert to base level needs and base level needs versus high level needs are not better or worse. Right. They're just what your business is immediately calling out to. Typically as a business grows in size, size, the, the needs become bigger. You got to move, you know, 20 people yes, or whatever. Right. A small business, I got to worry about one person moving. So the problems actually become bigger problems and we need to be much more thoughtful in the execution of that. You know, this is 20 lives, 20 plus lives that we're right. managing here. Now, the thing that we often rely to is our gut instinct. And what I explain in the book is that this is the biggest risk we run. We, we have to understand that when it comes to instinct, it does serve us extremely well in our personal survival, our personal lives. Like if, if I'm working, walking down a dark alley and all of a sudden I get the heebie-jeebies, that's my senses triggering. That's my eyesight, smell, feel, touch. And I'm like, this is not safe. I better turn around. Like someone probably will murder me. Like, like <laughs> if, if your instincts trigger off, walk away, turn around, move, run, fight or flight, trust those instincts because our senses are physically wired into us. Our nervous system is a wiring structure. Now, the thing is with our business, we are not wired into our business. Our business is a, a ethereal entity that we've created, but we're not wired into it. So sometimes we have our gut instinct saying, oh, I shouldn't do this, or I think we have a problem here, or I need more sales, or I need more of this, and our instinct calls out to do it, but we're not physically wired into our business, so we actually can sometimes confuse the issue. A lot of businesses, the, the owners trust in their gut, but they are moving in this circuitous circle. They're, they're going three steps forward, but four steps back, and they get frustrated. What the EHN is, the Entrepreneur's Hierarchy of Needs, what that model is, is I call it a compass. It validates or discredits what an instinctual, try, you know, our gut instinct is. What it does is it goes through a series of questions and says, you know, do we have these core needs being addressed in our sales level or our profit level? If no, well, that's maybe our issue. And then we look at the issue more in depthly, and then we trust our instinct saying, does this reverberate with me? Does this resonate with me? Does this make sense? If so, then you're honed in on it. I remember one story that's included in this book. There's a, a, a fellow uh, named Jacob Limmer, and he uh, owns a, a coffee shop called Cottonwood Coffee in South Dakota. A remarkable human being, just a nice man. And um, I introduced him to the Entrepreneurial Heartkeep Needs now three years ago as I was developing it. He was one of our, my beta testers. And uh, we've had subsequent many calls about it as I've refined the system. And he called me up and he says, I got to be brutally honest with you. Because I've been in business for 13 years. And he goes, when I saw the entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs, once you're in business for 13 years, you better be performing a legacy. And he goes, I went through this. He goes, I had a sales issue, a fundamental sales issue that the system kept on pointing back to. He said, no, no, you got to fix this. And he goes, but my ego said, I've been in business for 13 years. It was an ego punch. His instinct said, I'm at legacy. His ego validated it. The system, the EHN said, no, 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 you have a sales issue we need to resolve to move this business forward. And he said, it really was kind of a wake-up call. And, and his, he had to get his ego in check. And how he put it, he said, basically, I realize now I've been in business for 13 years, but I've been repeating the first year over 13 times. Because now with the system, I was able to revert and address a basic level. Basically, the, the, there was a, a blockage in the airway of the business. I was able to resolve that. And now his business has started the fastest growth trajectory it's ever had, the healthiest too, in a very short period. 
So one of the things that this EHN does is it challenges our instinct and also will challenge our established belief. And I'm not saying ego is a bad thing. It just exists. Right. Our ego will say, but I should be here. So we start behaving with where we should be, even though we have something over there we need to address prior. I was going to say, especially for therapists, um, it's really common for um, therapists to have money mindset issues. And so your book, Profit First, was one um, very popular book that kind of shook our industry because yeah. it made us, fo- you know, we're so focused on helping people and um, reducing our rates so that we can help as many people as possible. And it's not about the money, it's about helping. Um, we're taught this in school that we're, we're not going to make money. We're doing this to, you know, for the greater good of humanity to help people not to make money off of it. And so um, when we get into business, we a lot of therapists have this um, opposing sort of themes of, you know, owning a business needing to be profitable, but also, you know, having this money mindset of, we need to be helping and not be focusing on profits. And so um, one, your profit first book really helped shake that up for our industry, which is why I think it's really popular. Um, but also this hierarchy of needs. Um, I think as humans, we're just, we need in some ways we need steps, um, something to look at to say for business, at least, um, you know, this is what, to, this is what we should be focusing on. And so this hierarchy gives us a platform of like, this is where we should be looking, we should be looking at profit. So for especially, you know, for us who tend to be more um, needing help with our mindset around money, yeah. it lets us know like, this is actually an important part of your business to focus on this doesn't make you greedy, this doesn't make you money hungry to be looking at this, this is a normal business thing. And so similar to the guy that you were just talking about, with, um, you know, the ego issue, I think, yeah. you know, with us, we have a similar thing when it comes to just mindset around money. I would argue it's a necessity. So there's this concept out there of give to get. Like if you really want to be a contributor to society, you have to give and you will receive in return. And in this book, I actually think it's the reverse. But I, I contest that. I think we have to get to give. Mm-hmm. What I mean is the only way we can be effective contributors to our society, our community, is if we have stability for ourselves. It's so, kind of like the air, um, at the um, in the airplanes. They tell you to airplane, put your own right? mask on first. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. You've got to put your oxygen mask on first in order to save the person next to you. I mean, um, yet to your point, we are programmed saying, but you have to be a contributor. And how in the traditional sense, contribution is defined is through self-sacrifice. Like, you know, how much of give to give till it hurts is that one of the actual terms we use, which, which d- destroys me. Give till it hurts, give until you can't give, destroy yourself so much that you're immobilized. It makes no sense. So what the EHN teaches us is the first three stages are about getting. We need to get sales in, which is a consistent flow of inbound uh, income. We need to get profitability, which brings about stability to your business, confidence, and insurance. We need to get efficiency in organization so we can deliver on a consistent basis. If we have those three foundational needs met, now we can be the ultimate contributor, someone that can constantly give. Because if you have all the money that you need to support your own life, if you have no worries and the business can operate without any problems... Well, now we have no worries. And worries means now we can focus on delivering the highest level of benefit to our clientele. Actually, when it comes to profitability, I argue your clients, your patients that are coming in are begging for you to be profitable. Now, they'll never use those words. They'll never say, hey, for this session, can I pay double the range? (laughs) Rip me off, please. Of course, they won't say those words. But here's what they will say. In my session, I want your full attention on me. Uh, and if it's not you providing it, whoever the practitioner is, I want their full attention. 
I don't want them to be distracted or worrying about anything. I want all concentration being on me to resolve the challenges I have. And that's why I and my insurance company are paying you for the work you do, right? So that's what the customer saying. The only way for you to have full concentration, full focus on them, not have any distraction, is if we have a healthy, sustainable business, a business that's profitable, has inbound sales, and is running efficiently. If we don't have those things, worries are going to be sitting in the back of our own mind while we're trying to help someone else's mind or sitting in our mind saying, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay the bills next week? Oh my gosh. Right. And this worry diminishes our ability to give. So you must get those three levels before you can give the last two levels. Exactly. That makes a ton of sense. Um, tell me about the concept of vital needs. Yes. I think that's something that's also in this book. <clears throat> yes, it is. So every level I defined five vital needs. And honestly, I don't have all 25 needs memorized. You know, there's five at each level times okay. five. Um, but at each level, there are specific needs I found that are basically wired into every company that exists. There could be more needs. Your need, your company may have seven or eight specific vital needs at each level. But for example, one of the vital needs in sales uh, is to generate prospects, right? You have to have some source of inbound prospects. Uh, Another component is you need to convert those prospects into clients. Um, Another part of sales that many people don't think about is actually delivering your offering. Part of the sales process is to do what we promise to do. So you may have a client who even pays you a retainer in advance. And uh, in the traditional kind of original thinking of businesses, they say, well, I just earned all this money. You know, you haven't actually even completed the sale. A sale is an agreement for one party to depart with money, the other party to depart with their service or product. So the client gives you money. We still haven't delivered on our part. The sale is not complete. Legally, that money is still theirs. It's just in a holding account with us. Um, One thing that almost no business thinks about when it comes to sales is the link of the sales objectives of the business back to our personal income requirements. Like, what's my comfort level? Back to Jacob Limmer of Cottonwood Coffee. That was his fundamental challenge. He'd been running the business for 13 years and just surviving off of whatever's left over. He went through the exercise in Fix This Next and said specifically, said, what do you need minimally to sustain a comfortable lifestyle? Not like what's your big aspiration was it minimally. Now, he lives uh, in South Dakota, so he calls it the South Dakota budget. He goes, in South Dakota, you can actually support a family, family for 4000 a month. Uh, where I'm in the Northeast, that would be a dream. Um, <laughs> but in South Dakota, he says you can actually you know, live comfortably. It's, it's not an extravagant life by any stretch of imagination, but it's comfortable. Once he did that, he back calculated his sales and said, for my company ultimately to yield $4,000 of regular compensation to me, we need to have, say it was $500,000 in sales. For the first time, he had a sales target targeted back to why he started the business in the first place, his own comfort. So that's a vital need is to have that relation, that correlation identified in the sales level. As we go up to profit, there's five more needs. The ability to collect money, like to not only charge the appropriate margins, make sure you're, you're dictating a premium that delivers profitability and sustainability to you, that you're also collecting the money. And there's other needs like that. Order and efficiency, you know, removing uh, the dependency on the owner, empowering employees, putting right, the right people in the right places. Those are all vital needs. As we move up to impact, it's about uh, defining the transformation we're looking to have for clients. H- how are we changing their lives on a permanent basis? Um, and how does that correspond to all of the efforts we're making in our business? Does everything align with that? Legacy is about this permanence where the company, even at the highest level, even competes with itself. Uh, here's an example. There, I had my own business in computer crime investigation. And every year, we go away and do a retreat. And we do this exercise called Utopia Corp. 
uh, I had 30 employees at the time and we were broken into teams of two. So it was 15 teams. And then each uh, of those teams would come up with a concept or idea that would beat our own company. And the, the imaginary game we played is that this is a big pitch we're making, and one company is, is, is our established forensics company versus this new concept. And these team players were supposed to pitch why their concept is better than what our current company is providing. And we generated all these ideas, ultimately starting to change how the industry operated. We stayed in front of it. And that's what legacy is. There is no such thing as permanence. You can't do the same thing forever and expect it to work forever. Everything morphs and changes over time. So how do you put in your position, put your business in a position to be challenging itself? That stuff is great uh, and important. The problem is some business owners start reverting to, I got to work on my legacy. We got to start morphing and changing uh, and tweaking. And they haven't even mastered the sales part yet. So we always have to revert. Is the base mastered first before we move up a level? And if anything at the base gets compromised, we have to go back down, shore it up and start moving up again. Um, how would you... How often would you say people should be paying attention to this, um, the, the tool that you're kind of the EHN? Yeah. Yep. So the, the FTN, you do an FTN, fix this next analysis, whenever there is a new consideration coming up. And once you identify what your vital need is, we have to make sure that vital need is either fully addressed or is on the path to being addressed where there is available resources to do the next thing. So it's one thing at a time in progression. The mistake that many entrepreneurs make is they have like 10 or 20 or 100 things that need to be done and it's the next urgent thing that presents right. itself because the email just came in or someone just walked by and said, we have a problem and now all attention gets reverted to that. And so we're ping-ponging around the business. So what we do is with these 100 needs come up, we, we take pause, stop for a second, read through the FTN analysis. You can complete it. Once you know the system, usually within five minutes or less, it pinpoints a need and you say, we got to move forward on this first. Let's work on this next. Let's address it next. And then uh, once there's progress on it, you can go through the analysis again and it'll pinpoint to the next need that needs to be addressed. The thing is that first need you're addressing, if it's not fully resolved, the system will keep pointing back to that to be resolved before you go on to the next thing fully. It sounds really dummy proof. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my goal. Like, you know, it's funny. So I defined a, a mission and a purpose, and I, I've come this clarity, they're different things. My life's purpose, you were kind enough to let me share this during my presentation at your event, is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. There's this gap between where the world thinks we are. You know, the day you open your therapy practice, everyone's like, oh my God, you're a millionaire now. Yeah. You sit, all you do is sit back and you, you, know, you sit on your couch, and you have a few questions and you get a drink and you walk home with a million dollars. And the reality is no, uh, we have no money and we're working our asses off. That gap is what I call entrepreneurial poverty. So my life's purpose is to close that gap. I believe business owners should be financially successful. We're the ultimate contributors to our society, and our financial success will drive the incomes of other people. It's necessary. Uh, I don't believe we should be doing the work. I believe we should be navigating how to get the work done so others can be empowered, so others can be employed. I think that's how we close the gap. That's my, my purpose. My mission is to simplify the process. I call it entrepreneurship made simple. So the purpose is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. The mission is to make entrepreneurship simple. And so every book I write, uh, Fix This Next being the one of them, is I'm trying to make it foolproof to bring it down to the fundamental elements that make significant progress. I also have to acknowledge it's not the perfect system, meaning it won't fix 100% of your problems 100% of the time, but it will fix 80% of your problems 100% of the time. It will get you to the core stuff to move you forward. 
the very high technical stuff, there's these micro refinements, which I think a book could never address. That's where you start bringing in coaching experts and so forth. Just, just like therapy. I can read as many you know, Anthony Robbins self-help books in the world. And you know what? It will have an impact on me to a degree. Mm-hmm. There's a certain point that I need to get professional care, uh, professional help. And that's where the, you know, the, the individual dials are, are, are addressed. So the book, it does make it simple. It isn't foolproof, but it does move the ball pretty far down the field. All right. So I want to give you your time back. Um, for those of you that are listening, the book is coming out April 28th. That's right. Correct. Um, you can get it now on pre-order on Amazon. I'll link to it as well in the show notes and wherever else I put this. Um, and then for those of you that want to get even more support around this idea, get the book, read it, and then be sure to come to our conference in July of 2020 because you're going to be there again and this be time talking, <laughs> talking about um, Fix This Next. So thank yeah. you again so much for coming on to the Maria, show. Is it- Absolute joy. And I hope to see everyone at the conference. We had so much fun last year. Yes. And this year is going to be bigger and better for sure. It is definitely going to be bigger. <laughs> and better. And better. Yes, I'm, bringing, be better. I'm, the I'm thinking bigger right now. But yes, it's obviously going to be better. Yeah. yeah well, so. Listen, it's hard to top last year. So I don't want to knock that. But I'm, I'm bringing the best of me uh, this year with some great new stuff. Yes. Well, thank you so much for, for coming. And I'll see you in like eight or so months. Sounds good. Thanks, Marie. Right. Have a good one. You too. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting. They're an accounting firm that works specifically with mental health practices, both solo and group. And they do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. And on top of that, they can help you set up your Profit First systems. So if you're thinking of using Profit First or currently use them, go to Green Oak Accounting and check them out. You can check them out at www.greenoakaccounting.com. Mention the Group Practice Exchange and get $100 off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.